Hello, friends. I want to say welcome to Vernonia Church and our online teaching time. Uh, my name is Sam. I'm the pastor at Vernonia Church. I'm so glad that you've joined us here today as we're going to, in just a few moments, begin a, a, a teaching series called Louder Than Words. There are some things that are just louder than words and that speak louder than words. And we're going to begin this series with a, with, with a message called Creation Sings. And it's going to be a great day. Hey, before we do anything, I want to encourage you, hit that connection card link below and let us know that you're here today. One of the reasons I want to invite you to hit that connection card link is because I want to pray for you. And there's a spot there on that to let us know how I can be praying for you personally. I want to be praying for you individually. I want to be praying for you by name. So be sure to use that to let me know how I can be praying for you. And with that said, I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray that as we dive into this teaching today, that, well, that God will speak to us louder than words. Let's pray. Father in heaven, there's so many things that you have done in this world, in our lives. There are so many places where you have left your fingerprints in in all of your creation. God, I pray that you will help us today to see where your 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 creation your your works of art speak louder than words i pray that you will help us to see in your creation that that you're trying to get our attention that you're that, that you're trying to to reveal yourself to us through what you have made and through what you have done god i pray your blessing on this time right now, and I pray your blessing on each one who's joining here, that you will have just the right word at just the right time for our hearts. God, I pray that you will help us to see you and to hear from you as we look at what your hands have done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Well, let's dive into our teaching where we're going to be talking about this idea of louder than words. This series we're going to talk about is where God lets his work speak louder than his words in some areas and in some ways. There are some things God has done that just speak loudly where he is saying, look, I'm here and I want you to know me. And so we're going to begin by looking at how creation sings. There are a lot of places where creation is singing God's praises, where creation is telling us, look, there's a divine creator who's incredibly powerful, who is a designer, and who who has put purpose into everything he has created. Well, when I think of creation singing, one of the first things that come to my mind is Billy Bass. I don't know if you remember Billy Bass. A long time ago, they used to, I don't know, maybe they still sell these. Uh, there used to be uh, these these plaques you could buy to go up on your wall. They looked like mounted bass, mounted fish. And whenever you walked by them, they had a sensor that would make them sing. And so someone bought me one time for, for a birthday or Christmas. I don't remember what it was, but a long time ago, someone got me this Billy Bass. And every time you walked by it, the thing would start flopping and flailing and it would start singing a song and and it would make you laugh you know the first hundred times that you walk by it after a while it got kind of annoying I let the batteries die and I ended up putting it away but the idea of a fish singing well that's kind of a funny idea 
But did you know that fish are actually singing? The fish in the ocean are actually singing and making noise constantly. Most of the noise we can't hear and we can't uh, we can't detect with our ears, but using instruments, researchers and scientists have been discovering that fish actually sing. We might you might have heard at one time or another in a nature show or on a movie or something the sound of whales singing. You've probably heard that or you've heard the sound of dolphins singing. But even little fish are constantly making noise. Uh, researchers will describe how clownfish, you remember finding Nemo, the little clownfish, you know the orange one with the white stripes and the black stripes and and, and even clownfish are are singing. One researcher says clownfish, they chirp and they pop and they gnash their teeth together and oyster toadfish, well, they hum and they blare like foghorns and, and quickly contract their muscles to that are attached to their swim bladders to, to make noises and, and the croaking goriami make their signature noise by snapping the tendons of their pectoral fins and, and researchers have found that over 800 different species of fish are, are can be found singing in some way, shape, or form and often the singing of all these fish kind of creates this chorus in the sea that we can't hear there's a chorus as multiple fish some of them are singing low notes and low tones and and uh, and and some of them are keeping a beat and some of them are singing in other ways and and it's amazing one researcher said that he'd been researching these fish in Australia for over 30 years and and he writes we're only just beginning to appreciate the complexity that's involved and and we still ha only have a crew idea of what's going on undersea in the acoustic environment. And so we have this idea of creation singing. And, and, and interestingly, here's what the psalmist writes in Psalm 148, verse 7. He says, Praise the Lord, all the earth, you creatures of the ocean depths. And, and we might wonder, well, what are they singing? What are they talking about? And, and you know what they're doing? They're praising the Lord. Uh, they're singing. They're, they're showing us that there's a designer and a creator who designed and created all these intricate things that we still are uncovering and discovering. Discovering God's fingerprints, God's uh, God's evidence can be seen in His creation. Just like if you were a master artist, a master painter, we could see something about your personality, something about what's on your heart based on your artwork. If you were a sculptor, if you're a writer, we can see your personality as it comes out in what you're creating. If you're a movie creator, a director, if you're a uh, if you're an artist of any kind, all that creativity. It shows who you are. It speaks sometimes louder than words. And God in his creation is creating this symphony that's speaking out about how he is there and he wants us to know him and he wants you, he wants you to know him personally. Wow. Creation sings. Now, talking about clownfish, you, you might picture Nemo from Night Finding Nemo, and you might picture him in the way that the way that maybe he might be singing. But there's something interesting about about the clownfish. 
one of the really interesting things about the clownfish, besides it sings, is the idea that the clownfish lives among, now I, I, I think I mispronounce this word every time I say it, it's almost like a, a tongue twister just to say it, but they live among sea anemones. If I said that wrong, you can correct me in the comments below, uh, but the sea anemones have these tentacles, and the tentacles are deadly to most fish. They sting them and kill them, and, and uh, that's how those those creatures of the sea will eat and the clownfish lives among them safely and freely and is not affected by the tentacles of the sea anemones. Many people have tried to figure out why. Is it because these little clownfish are faster than other fish or they just avoid touching these tentacles? And the answer to that is no, man. Uh, the, the, sometimes you can see these clownfish being uh, careless among the sea anemones. And so researchers think they have found why these fish are able to live in places that other fish can't. And by the way, once the clownfish leaves the protection of these sea anemones, uh, th they get eaten, they get killed. And so there's this symbiotic thing that's happening there where the, where the clownfish is finding its home and its safety among a place where nothing else is safe. Well, the reason they think is, is because all fish have a mucous membrane on the outside of their body that helps them as they swim along in the oceans, waters, and, and most fish have amino acids in the mucus that's on the outside of the fish. But the clownfish, they found, has no amino acids. And they think the amino acids are what attract the deadly tentacles of the, uh, of the sea anemone. And so because the clownfish doesn't have that amino acid, it's safe as it swims around. And in our world today, people who are looking for answers without God, people who are looking for answers without a designer and a creator who designed and created all things perfectly from the beginning with a purpose, uh, they try to find an answer saying, well, there's this thing called macroevolution where species have changed and kinds of animals have changed and they've become another kind of animal. And, and they might look at the situation of the clownfish and, and situations like that create a little bit of a problem because in in order for one thing to transition into another, there's all these mistakes in between that uh, that that where where it wouldn't work to where it finally decides or finally develops the thing it needs to be perfect and exact in order for it to work. And the problem is, is that in the case of the clownfish, you only get one try. You only get one try. I mean, the first fish that swims through the sea anemones with amino acids in its mucus dies. And uh, in order for the clownfish to survive or to be there, it had to be created perfect the first time so that it would, from the very beginning, be safe among the sea anemones. And there are a lot of things in creation that are like that. Things like the woodpecker with the way that it hits the tree. It would, If it, if it wasn't designed perfect from the first time, it would break its neck. Uh, th uh, things like the bombardier beetle that, that uh, has... Uh, 
that has chemicals in its body that it mixes and shoots out as as a a, a, a fire like gas towards its enemies. If if that wasn't developed and designed perfect from the very beginning, it would have blown up and it would have died. Here we have the clownfish, and the clownfish is saying to us, "Look, uh, there's a designer and a creator who created and designed all things perfect from the very beginning." of time. And the message is a message that says and speaks louder than words that there's a divine and a powerful creator who created all things and creation is singing his praise and creation is singing that he is there and he wants to know you and he wants you to know him. One day a woman named Tony in western Australia was walking on the beach and she found an old message in a bottle. She found this really old bottle. She was just picking up rubbish, and she found this message in a bottle. She she looked at it. She pulled out the piece of paper that was wrapped up in there, and and there was there was instructions in there that whoever found this piece of paper should send it in uh, and to German uh, to Germany to the uh, to the consulate. And she did, and what they found is that that message in the bottle was one of the oldest messages in the bottle that have ever been found. It was about 132 years old. It had been dropped off of a German boat in the Indian Ocean and had found its way to the coast of Australia. Well, when they turned it in, they found that it was a part of a research project where they were dropping bottles in the ocean to research what was happening in the ocean. Well, that wasn't the first time anybody put messages in a bottle. In fact, there's one man who is very famous for doing that. His name was Matthew Murray. You may have heard of him. There's a statue to his honor in Virginia. Uh, Matthew Murray, well, he he was a, a Christian man. He loved the Bible. He loved the Lord. And he was also a naval officer in America. And he was uh, an oceanographer. And, and he did his research based on what he was reading in the Bible, and he found curiosity from what the Bible said, and and it made him think to do a little project. You see, he read about how the Bible was teaching that there were paths in the oceans. In Psalm chapter 8, 8, it said, the birds of the air and the fishes of the sea and all that swim in the paths of the sea. Well, as a man who'd been studying the ocean and studying studying meteorology, meteorology and studying the wind and waves and, and the oceans and the clouds. And, and, and as a man who was doing that, he found that very curious. And so he decided to get old shipping charts and old, old messages and old, all kinds of old research. And then he started a research project himself, putting bottles in with notes to return those uh, notes and bottles for his research project. And he put, he put tons and tons of bottles out out in the water as an experiment to discover and chart the paths of the sea. And we credit him with being one of the first ones to discover that there were, in fact, 
uh, currents and ocean currents and paths in the sea. He made charts of those paths, and uh, it's because of him that we've been able to progress greatly in the area of marine science and especially in the way of navigation. He was also one of the first ones to point out that the wind had weight. And what gave him the idea that the wind had weight at all in his research in, in oceanography and meteorology was a line from the book of Job in the Bible. In the Bible, in Job 28, verse 25, it says, He gave the wind its weight, and he appointed the waters by measure. And so he thought, well, maybe the wind has weight. And he did research, and he found that that the wind and the and that air itself actually does have weight. And he used his ideas from Scripture to uncover realities in creation that nobody really knew about at the time. And he was one of the first ones to write a, a textbook on on these things. And 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 man. It's almost as if God's word is speaking about God's creation that cries out, there's a God who created. There's a God who designed everything the way it's designed. And even though we acknowledge that the Bible is not a science textbook, we know that the Bible is a truth book. The Bible is a book where God speaks the truths and realities of history and the truths and realities of spiritual things along with physical things. And where the Bible speaks, it's true. And so uh, we see that the Bible is sort of teaching us and leading us on this path to know God through his creation. And in the book of Genesis, Moses will tell us that creation is here. We're here. Everything we see around us, whether it's the fish of the sea that are singing or the, the animals that, that had to be designed perfectly and right from the very get-go or they wouldn't exist at all or or whether it's the paths of the sea we we look at the oceans the oceans cry out that there's a creator and Moses tells us in Exodus chapter 20 in six days the Lord made the heavens the earth the sea and everything in them and God's creation speaks loudly about him being there and again, we, we, we come today to a world where people are trying to tell the story of the history of mankind and the history of the world without God. And so we come up with these fant fantastic ideas of how things accidentally happened or how things happened by chance, happenstance, or circumstance. And, and a lot of people today are looking for answers outside of God, outside of the scriptures, out, outside of it. And, and we come up with these ideas that, that, that are so far-fetched and so far out there that in order for them to be true, it would take millions and billions of years for even the chance of some of these things happening. When we look at the rocks and when we look at geology and when we look at the earth around us, uh, often I remember hearing as I sat in 
in geology classes. They would show you the, the, the cut side of a cliff and there would be different layers there and they would say, well, this tiny little layer took hundreds of years to form and that tiny little layer took hundreds of years to form and, and they paint this idea of rivers that, that dug out canyons and millions of years worth of uh, mountains cr- climbing and, and, and rivers digging and millions of years of this and that happening and and we take the idea that God just he created it with his power and with his divine majesty and he did it with intricacy and detail and interesting uh, parts of itself and and today often one of the arguments against God creating is people will say There's no way he created that in a day because it would take millions and billions of years for it to happen. Well, yeah, maybe it would take that long for it to happen by itself. But if God really is God, and he really is all-powerful and sovereign and bigger than this universe and bigger than... And if he's really able to speak something into existence, the way a painter will make a brushstroke... And, and 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 paint something into existence. And often a painter, in order to make something interesting, is going to add intricate detail to his painting. He's going to add something interesting to it. Uh, so God could do that. And, and, uh, and God speaks and creates, like Moses said in Exodus, that he did it in, in six days and some things he did in a day. And we we look and they say, well, there's no way that happened in a day. But there are times when places where things happened in a day. I remember back in the 80s, you might have been around. We're in we're in Vernonia, Oregon. We're hours away from Mount St. Helens here, and there have even been times since I've lived here where you could see the mountain from the highway, and there would be a, a smoke coming up, you know, from the mountain. And and I've gone to the mountain, and I've seen where it blew its top off. Now I didn't live here when that happened. I'm actually from New York, and and I watched it on TV as a kid, you know, the explosion of Mount St. Helens. Some of the folks here in Oregon, they they were here when it happened, and they had ash on their cars and ash on, on stuff in town when the mountain blew. And, and you know, when that mountain blew, it did some things in a day that if no one knew it happened because of the 1980 explosion of uh, Mount St. Helens, they would think, well, look at what took millions and billions of years to do. Look what took, uh, you know, all this time to do. There, for example, is a cliff that's 600 feet tall uh, that was formed in one day on uh, with the explosion of Mount St. Helens. In one day on June 12, 1980, uh, 25 feet of this 600 feet cliff were formed and 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 it laid a layer that that began to uh, a layer of mud and ash that began to harden and turn to rock and and in, on, on on May 18th 1980 the center part of this cliff was formed and then on March 19th in, in 1982 the top layer of this was formed and and in days this 600 foot layer, uh, uh, a 600-foot cliff that has just layer after layer after layer uh, was formed. And it was formed with, with incredible power, and it was formed with incredible speed, and it was formed in days. And we look at the power of that, and we say, well, if 
if the power of a volcano was able to create something that's there that that wasn't there and that in days now is there then how much more could a powerful god create as he creates this world as we look at it and we say wow uh, look what god has done moses will tell us that god created in six days the lord made the heavens and and the earth and the sea and everything in them and and it's like god's creation is saying to us listen and the rocks will cry out, listen, uh, I have created all that is there and I've done it. And I want you to know me as your creator and I want to know you. Uh, you know, uh, Charlie Duke and Jim Irwin, they were two men in a small group of people that have done something in all of history. Uh, they're both Christian men who uh, were evangelical, Bible-believing Christians, and uh, they were among 12 people who ever had the opportunity to walk on the moon. Uh, they were part of the Apollo moon landing experience. And, uh, you know, when it comes to the moon landing, there are some interesting things that that went into preparing for the moon landing. One thing we often hear about is that in pre preparation for the moon landing, NASA made uh, uh, w was trying to make plans for what th these astronauts were going to experience when they got there. One study was done in the 1960s that estimated that the moon is collecting dust, and it's collecting a lot of dust. The estimate was somewhere between 10 and 20,000 tons of dust are collecting on the moon every year from meteors and, and all the different things that, uh, that are out there in space. And there were debates among scientists about how deep that dust was going to be. Some scientists uh, were under the assumption that when the Apollo landed on the moon, it was just going to sink in and and it would just cover them. And, you know, t 10 to 20 tons of dust a year, that's a lot of dust. And uh, if you're figuring based on the way that people think today about millions and billions of years, there should be a lot of dust on the moon. But what happened was when they landed on the moon, they found that there was just a, a shallow layer of dust on the moon, which is how we get all those nice pictures of the astronauts, you know, footprints in the moon dust on the moon. Now, really, we don't know why there wasn't all that dust there. We don't, there are all kinds of circumstances or reasons that that dust could be there or couldn't be there. Uh, but here's the thing that I want to uh, just kind of throw out there as we think of the moon landing. Well, could it be that we don't know as much as we think we know. Could it be that trying to come up with ideas about how old the earth is and how it was created by chance, happenstance, or circumstance, could it be that, that we, we state things that we know when we really don't know anything? You know, if we were to take the, 
the the history and the genealogies that were given in the scriptures, we would find that the scriptural view of the age of the earth is actually only somewhere between six and 10,000 years. And I'm not going to say that I was there and I know enough to know everything about uh, the timeline of all of history, but uh, there's something to be said about not having dust so deep that the Apollo, you know, sinks into it and, and just having inches of uh, of dust on the moon at least it should make a person question how old really is the earth is it more in line with what moses said that that god in six days made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them you know could it be that that when god set the moon and the stars in place he he did it with his power that it didn't happen by chance, happenstance, or circumstance in millions and billions of years. But no, it happened as God spoke it into existence and created it and designed it in a day six to 10,000 years ago. Like he said, he did. When it comes to what we find when we look at the earth, we and when we look at the things of this earth, we find some interesting evidence that the things, other things the Bible says happened and might have happened. For example, one of the things the Bible tells us is that there was this great catastrophic worldwide flood. And when we look at the world today, scientists will look at it again. They're trying to find a, a way and a reason to leave God out as they look at the story and the history of the earth. And they're trying to find alternative solutions to what God's word says about what happened on the earth. But, but even secular science will say that the earth does show evidence that there was some worldwide catastrophe that happened. And uh, if you had a catastrophe like a worldwide flood, what would you expect to find? Well, you'd expect to find uh, millions and billions of creatures that were instantly buried and fossilized in sea sediment. And you would expect to find evidence of oceans in the mountains, and you would expect to find things like seashells up high fossilized in the hills. And and guess what you find all over the world today? Well, we find billions of fossils that were uh, covered in an in instant that were covered by sediment and covered by uh, co- covered by by what looks like water. And instead of trying to find other ways to answer the question of what happened, maybe just maybe God's word might be right that there was a worldwide flood, just like He said. There was. And and we find evidence of of a flood all over. We find evidence of the things that the Bible says happened in the flood all over. In Psalm 104, verse 6 to 9, it says, You clothed the earth with floods of water, water that covered even the mountains. At your command, that water fled, and at the sound of your thunder, it hurried away. Mountains rose, valleys sank to the levels you decreed. And then... You set a firm boundary for the seas so that they would never again cross over all the earth. And what we should see when we look at the mountains and the valleys and the geological mysteries is not 
Hey, look what happened by chance, happenstance, or circumstance. But look what the power and the majesty and the design and the creativeness of God have done. In Luke 19, people were praising Jesus as the God of creation. And some of the leaders told Jesus to stop people from saying that that's who he was. And here's what Jesus said to them. I tell you, he replied, if the people keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And so often it seems like the stones are crying out that God is the creator of all. You know, with a click, astronaut Harrison Schmidt made history. On December 7th, 1972, he took the first picture of the Earth from space. As a member of Apollo 17, he was on his way to complete NASA's final mission to land on the moon, and the sun was behind them in just the right way that allowed him to take this beautiful picture of what they called a blue marble. It was the Earth itself. And for the first time, humanity got a view of what the Earth looked like from space. We could see once and for all that the Earth is round. We could see once and for all that the earth is suspended in space. And you know, it's interesting to me that uh, astronomy textbooks will credit the scientist Pythagoras in 500 BC with being the first person that would say that the earth was round. And there may have been many people in his world and in his day that had the wrong idea uh, that the earth was flat, that the earth had ends, that the water of the ocean was just falling off. There, there were all kinds of crazy ideas out there. But did you know that hundreds and even thousands of years before Pythagoras, God's word said that the earth was a sphere, a circle, and that the earth was hanging, suspended on nothing. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22, about 700 BC, the prophet Isaiah said this, God sits above the circle of the earth. Now, how did he know? Without the picture, uh, you know, that was taken uh, back in the, in the 70s, how did he know? Uh, without Pythagoras's theory, well, maybe he knew because God told him and God had him write that down. And the author of the book of Job, which is thought to have been written about 2000 BC, uh, wrote this. God, uh, 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 he, he, he has inscribed a circle on the face of the waters at the boundary between the lights of darkness. In other words, he has made the earth a sphere. And, uh, and, and in Job chapter 26, 7, it says God stretches the northern sky over the empty space and he hangs the earth on nothing. He wrote thousands of years before space flight and before Hubble telescopes and before, you know, astronauts are taking pictures from space of the earth. He wrote those words. Now, speaking of space, I really like this one. In Job chapter 38, verse 7, it says this, The morning stars sang together and all the angels shout for joy. 
the idea of the stars singing. I've kind of like kept to this theme of creation sings. We've got fish singing, you know, and, and here is the idea of stars singing. And did you know that uh, scientists have found using special special telescopes that stars are, are making music, that stars are creating this symphony of sounds that we, again, can't hear with our ears, but with special telescopes that pick up uh, sound waves, we actually know that stars are making noise, that some researchers say that the larger stars are making deeper, bassier sounds, and the smaller stars are making high-pitched sounds, and together they're forming a chorus, creation sings. And the stars aren't just emitting light, but they're emitting sound, and they're singing the praises of God. In Psalm 19.1, it says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. And when we look at all the stars that are out there and all that was created, what we shouldn't be seeing is, hey, look what happened by chance, happenstance, or circumstance, or accidents. Uh, we should be saying, look what a designer designed and created and how big he must be, how vast he must be, how great and powerful he must be because creation is just amazing. Well, God speaks through his creation. And we're told that specifically by the Apostle Paul. When the Apostle Paul is talking about how God speaks to people today, he talked about how God speaks through his word, how he speaks through the scriptures, and then he talked about how he even speaks to people who don't have the scriptures yet, and he's giving them a special message. And here's what he says in Romans chapter 1, verse 19 to 20. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. When we look at creation, it should be uh, obvious to us that there's this creator. And Paul's going to describe a couple of things that should be obvious when we look at creation. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky, and through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. Because when you look at what's created here, wow, it must be an eternally powerful person. It must be a divine, creative person who created all that we see. And then he will say, so they have no excuse for not knowing God, that all of us are going to answer to God for what we know about him. And he has revealed himself in his creation. And so creation is constantly speaking uh, louder than words. It's constantly saying, God is there. God is a creator. God is a divine and creative designer. And he wants us to know him and, and he wants to know us. 
When we look at the design and the purpose and all the designs of the earth, I mean, we just kind of talked about and touched on a few little interesting things in our teaching today, whether it's clownfish or a cliff that was formed by a volcano that uh, some would say was millions of years old, but uh, it happened in days, whether it's uh, whether it's the way the, the moon collects its dust or whether it's the, the stars that sing his glory, whether it's the universe, whatever it is we're looking at, it speaks louder than words. Creation sings about the glory of God. In Psalm 66, 4, it says, Everything on earth will worship you. They will sing your praises, shouting your name in glorious songs. God's made himself obvious in creation. And God has, God has given us reason to give him glory. God has said, I am here through his creation. And one day, We'll be with him. One day we'll answer to him. One day we'll see him. And today in Jesus, we can know him. The Apostle Paul will take us to Jesus. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 16, and he will say this, Christ is the invisible image. Or, or Sorry, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. And all of creation speaks louder than words, as it says there is a divine creator. And the words of God, the scriptures, will point us to Jesus and say, this is your creator. This is the one who it all was made for, through whom all of it was made. By him, all of it was made, and all of it was made for him. Which includes, by the way, you and me. We were made for him. We were made to know him, to be brought close to him. And God, through his creation, wants to say to you louder than words, I'm here and I want to know you and I want you to know me. And he came in the person of Jesus Christ to give his life for us so that we could know him. And I want to encourage you. Uh, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a scientist I'm a I'm an I'm an enthusiast about creation science. I, I love that kind of stuff that we talked about today. But what I am is I'm a I'm a, I'm a theologian. I'm a pastor, and I read God's word, and God's word tells me that God has revealed Himself in His creation, and He has also revealed Himself in Jesus Christ, and Jesus gave his life for you so that you could know him. Jesus gave his life for you so that you could love him. And I want to encourage you today to look at creation this week, to spend some time looking and say, how does this help me know Jesus? I also want to encourage you to come to the cross and say, God, I want to know Jesus. And will you bring Jesus into my life and your grace and your forgiveness and your love? Because I know that Jesus, the creator, became part of his creation and gave his life for me. 
I want to encourage you to seek God today and to hear what he says so loudly through his creation. I'd like to invite you to pray with me. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I just want to pray that, uh, well, that we would join creation in singing your praise. God, all creation praises you and all creation glorifies you. All creation shows us that you are divine and that you are powerful. And God, we see your divine power at work in Jesus Christ, who died on a cross and who rose again, who gave his life for us that we might know forgiveness and grace and love, and we might know our creator. Not some creator that created and left the world alone, but a creator who created and entered the world himself in person, in the person of Jesus. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for helping us know him. Thank you that we can know you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to say thank you for joining me as we've gone through our online teaching time today. I want to especially say thank you to those of you who've been supporting what we've been doing here as we've been sharing these online teachings, and you've been supporting us through prayer. You've been praying that that this teaching time will grow and reach more people, and you've been praying that uh, that God would bless Vernonia Church and help us continue to do the work that he wants us to do here in this community. And man, God has been working and thank you for praying. You know, one interesting experience I had This last week was I was talking with some people that that they were I didn't I've never met them before and but they have been they've been going to their friend's house and watching these online teaching times together uh, in in their homes and they've been kind of they've been they've been a part of our online community so I want to say thank you uh, to those of you who've been praying for this outreach because God has been using it to bless people. People uh, in their homes, and together we've been blessing people and getting to know new people through what we're doing. I also want to say a special shout out to there is a gal who joins us pretty regular uh, almost every week, and uh, she's in her 90s. And I want to say, Ruby, love you, thank you, appreciate that you're here. And we want to ask God to bless you, you know, and, and, and you've been a blessing. And I just want to give a special shout out to some special, uh, some special people who've been a part of our online teaching. I also want to say thank you to those of you who've been supporting our online teaching financially. Uh, you've been giving, and your giving has been making an incredible difference. Because of your giving, we've been able to continue doing this work, continue reaching people for Christ through it, and you your giving has been making a big difference. This last week, we had someone say they want to get baptized, and we're going to help them in their first steps of walking with Jesus. How awesome is that? That's one of the reasons we're here, and we want to say thank you because you've been a part of that. Uh, And if you want to join us in giving, you can do that. You can go online at any time to www.vernonia.church. That's V-E-R-N-O-N-I-A dot church. And there you can click the Give tab. That will open up the Tithely account. You can set up giving in any way, shape, or form you want to. There should be a link below 
below where you can hit that uh, that you can hit that link. It'll bring you there too. You can give a dollar a day. You or sorry, you can give a dollar a week, a dollar per teaching. You you can give a hundred dollars per teaching, a thousand dollars per teaching. You can give in any way that you would like to. And I would just like to encourage you to join us in giving. You're welcome to do that. Uh, I give to help support the work that we're doing, and you're welcome to follow me or to join me in uh, in, in in supporting this work. That said, I want to invite you to pray with me for the work of Renonia Church, especially this online teaching time. Uh, let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray for Renonia Church. Pray that you will help us as we continue to try to reach people for Christ through this online teaching time. We pray that you will help us to bless people, to encourage people. We pray that you will help us to make a difference in our online community and in our in-person community. God, we thank you for what you're doing, and we pray that you will continue to do it. We pray, God, that you will help new people come to Jesus because of it. We pray that you will help uh, people become uh, stronger disciples, stronger in their faith because of it. We pray that you will help families become stronger, addictions uh, be overcome, that you, that you would help uh, help us, God, uh, as we seek you um, to hear from you and help us as we share the message that you are this creator God that we can know. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Well, I'd like to finish up by declaring it's been a great day. And the count of three, you ready? One, two, three. It's been a great day. Yeah, I hope you have a great day. And I look forward to seeing you next Sunday.